This morning, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open to Matthew chapter 11, the book of Matthew chapter 11. Uh, we've been in this series for a couple of weeks now talking about margin, talking about how to create margin in our life. And we define margin as this. We define margin as the difference between what you have and what you need. So, for example, if you're going to uh, someone's house, you're going to Gary Steingis' house to watch the Super Bowl, and it takes you a half hour to get there, and you've got 45 minutes, then you've got 15 minutes of margin. But if you're like me, and it takes you 30 minutes to get there, and you have 20 minutes, means you have no margin at all. You're, you're in a negative amount of margin. Uh, I think the reality is a lot of us, we live in that negative standpoint. When it comes to energy, when it comes to time, when it comes to relational um, aspect, when it comes to money, we live with this negative amount of, uh, of, of margin. And when we don't have margin in our life, what undoubtedly is going to happen is your stress is going to increase and your relational intimacy decreases. That's when you start to argue. That's when your wife says, I told you to get ready 15 minutes ago. Uh, that's what happens. God, when he gave us life, he didn't give us life to have this stress and this relational uh, problems. He, he wanted us to have abundant life. An abundant life is found in the margins. When we have margin, we have bandwidth to laugh. We have bandwidth to play, bandwidth to dream, bandwidth to respond to impromptu conversations. When we have margin in our life, we have bandwidth to actually be present with the conversations of the people that we're having, instead of always thinking, well, what's next? What do I have to get done? What am I missing out on? Margin is an important thing. We've covered a lot of different things on margin. We've talked about uh, financial margin. We've talked about uh, relational margin. Uh, we talked last week about taking a Sabbath. If you missed it, that was great. I had some great conversations with some folks this week. What does Sabbath look like for you? I love hearing us wrestle through how do we find rest for our souls on a regular basis. Today, we're going to look at a different idea of margin. And I was actually, I got this idea from, from Bob Goff. Now, if you have heard anything about Bob Goff, this dude is absolutely crazy, right? He wrote this book called Love Does. Uh, Love Does. I tried to figure out how many books has he sold. I, I think it's 1.5 million books. He has sold a uh, tremendous amount of books. When you read this book, the cool thing is, I'll tell you how crazy Bob Goff is. I tried to think about what were the crazy story about Bob Goff and uh, there's a lot of crazy things he's done. But the craziest thing is he put his cell phone number, his actual cell phone number, in the back of this book. Literally, you could call Bob Goff. He gets 100 calls a day from completely random strangers, and he answers almost every one of them. My sister-in-law did that. She called Bob and was like, Bob, what do you think? And he goes, here's what I think. Like, how crazy is that? Any of you want me to put your phone number up here? No, that would not be good. In his book, one of the things he talks about is he talks about something called uh, Quit Something Thursday. Literally, his life, he quits something every single Thursday. Kind of this idea that, that you look at your life and you find something that's no longer needed for your life. You find something in your life that is stealing your time, that is stealing your energy, that is preventing you from having margin. Preventing you from, from living what's best for you. He says, that's what, you just give it up. You eliminate the noise in your life to create margin for other things, for better things. Examples. You might give up biting your nails. You get nervous, and what do you do? <sighs> well, instead of dealing with the issue, you bite your nails. 
You just decide one Thursday, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to bite my nails anymore. You may decide one Thursday, hey, I'm going to give up stalling. You know, when you're supposed to make that phone call, but you really don't want to make it. So you all do it later and you do it later and you postpone it. So you give up the idea of stalling. You just give up things. Maybe another one would be to quit expecting other people to live up to your expectations. That's deep. This is Bob Goff. Every Thursday, give up something. Quit something. And it seems so simple. You're like, oh, that's, that's beautiful. Give up calories. You can't give up calories. Give up cookies. That's what I was thinking. Cookies and calories, they go together. Give up cookies. Give up something. And it seems so simple, but it seems so powerful. When you understand the idea of creating margin in our life. Today in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is going to talk to us about some of, the, some of that same idea. About how when we quit some things in our life, we can actually choose something better. When we quit things and we, we come to Jesus, we can actually find rest. We can find margin that we all long for. So Matthew chapter 11 uh, if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably heard this passage a number of times. If you're new to church, this is one of those passages I want you to, to be very familiar with because it's a beautiful passage, some beautiful meaning to it. So Matthew chapter 11, starting verse 28, Jesus speaks and Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Some of your translations will say, uh, all who are weary and heavy laden. Weary and labor essentially mean the same thing. Jesus says, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't you love that line? When Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. This idea of heavy laden I want us to understand what he's talking about here. This is where you have this weariness in your soul, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, where you are exhausted, where you are overwhelmed with your mind, overwhelmed in your spirit, overwhelmed in your emotions. You're just exhausted. Now, I find myself to be a hopeless optimistic. Sometimes it drives my wife crazy because whatever situation we're in, hey, the glass is always half full. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. Everything will be great. I have this, it's just the way I'm I'm wired. But even though I'm wired that way, and even though you may be wired that way, we all come to seasons of life. Situations and circumstances where, where weariness and exhaustion take over. We all come to that point where we experience this, this exhaustion. And it comes in different ways, for different reasons, for different people. Sometimes we can point to a, a, a single significant situation, a factor that has led us to that exhaustion. Other times we can't really point to what's causing it. We're just exhausted, overwhelmed, burdened. And it comes from this uh, accumulative intersection of life's complexities. We've got all these different things in life going on. You've got bodily, bodily frailties. You've got emotional heartaches. You've got the consequences of sin. And they all come together and they lead to this just, that this, this, Weariness in our soul. In fact, I would ask you this morning, why are you at church today? I know some of you are at church because your wife said, it's time to go to church and you're coming with me. That's just the way it works. Some of you are kids. Mom and dad said you're coming to church. Some of you are at church today because you hope if you come to church that God will help the Rams beat the Patriots today. And you're like, I need God on my side. Some of you 
are at church because you're stressed, because you're worried, because you're troubled, because you're tired, because you can't get it all figured out. What are the burdens that you carry this morning? When you think about your life, you think about your situation, you think about where you struggle, you think about uh, uh, the weights you, 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 what, weight, what weighs you down. Think about what leaves you overwhelmed, what leaves you exhausted. Think about this. What keeps you up at night? What do you find uh, anxiety kicking in about? What is, that, what is that anxiety about? See, in this context, the burden that Jesus is talking about is he, he's talking about religion. About how people are, are trying to do enough to be right with God. And some of us in here, that's our burden. We've had this mentality that if I'm going to be right with God, then I've got to be a good enough person. And I've got to do enough good things and not do those bad things. And so we have this burden of trying to, to do enough to please God. The problem is when we look at who God is, the, the creator of the universe, the perfect, all-knowing, all-powerful God, man, it's impossible for us to keep up with him. It's impossible for us to be good enough. And there's a burden that comes from that. Where even though we understand that, that Jesus says we are accepted by grace, it's not what we've done, it's what God has done. Man, many of us are still religious. And we struggle with this idea. We always feel this burden. Man, I've got to be better. I've got to make myself better. I've got to, I've got to do this and do that. And that's a, a burden that some of us carry. That's the weight that, that weighs us down. What about you? What's your burden? What's your burden? For some of you, it's, it's, it's a relationship. For some of you, it's a relationship. You don't have one. And people are always, always asking, when are you going to find the right girl? And you're thinking, I would just like to find a girl, right? And you have these people's expectations. Like, I'll take any of them. Some of you, it's that relationship or lack thereof. Some of you, you have the unhealthy relationship. Some of you are in a relationship and you know it's not a good relationship. It's not a good friendship. It's not a good boyfriend-girlfriend. You know they are a bad influence on you. You know things are not moving in the right direction. And deep down, you know it's a burden. You know it's unhealthy. You know it's not what is best for you. It's a burden because you've got that relationship. Some of us, some of us have this fear of being alone. And so well, what we do is we move from one bad relationship to the next. And then we keep moving on because we have this fear, I can't be alone. And so we move from one unhealthy relationship to another. And deep down, deep down, that relationship isn't going to fix you. Deep down, there's something broken deep down. And it's a burden on you to try and figure it out. So you go from relationship to the relationship. What's your burden? What's your weight? For some of you, it's a sin. Some of you have got some sort of sin going on in life. It might be a secret. It might be something that, man, if this got found out, it would ruin me. If this got found out, it would destroy my marriage. If this found out, I would lose my job. For some of you, your, your sin isn't a secret. It's right out in the open. What's the sin that weighs you down? Pornography? Cheating at school? Stealing from work? exaggerating on your time card, exaggerating on your reports. If you've got that sin, that becomes the burden inside of you. Because you know it's not the right thing. You know it's not what you want, but you are so sucked in. 
And no matter how hard you try, it kind of feels like, man, I just can't kick it. Like, I keep trying. I'm not going to do it again. Then I do it again. That sin becomes a burden for you. What's your burden this morning? Maybe it's an attitude. You know, some of us, we have these attitudes. Anger, bitterness, pride. And you know what I'm talking about? Because when you feel wronged, when you feel someone wrongs you, what do you do? Your blood pressure rises. You feel really red in the face. And you are consumed with how you are so right and everybody else is so wrong. And these attitudes, they eat you up. They destroy the relationships around you. What's your burden? For some of you, your burden is control. You want to be in control of everything. You want to be in control of your life. You want to be in control of your relationships. You want to be in control of everything. And it's a burden for you to try and keep everything under your grasp. To make everything work out just like you want it to. It's an incredible burden of how you make your will happen in all situations. What if you lose control? Man, that's a burden, right? What is your burden? What is the weight that you carry? What is the thing that is robbing you of joy? Think about that. The things that rob us of joy, what is that for you? You know what the normal response is? When we begin to find these things that are robbing us of joy, these these weights we carry, these burdens we have, you know what our normal response is? Our normal response is, I'm going to try harder. Like, like, like this is my problem. I'm just going to try harder to, to make it better. Or maybe we take some pills to either to jack us up or to settle us down. Or maybe we eat or we drink a little too much. And we have these ways of trying to deal with our, our, our issues. And what it really does, it just adds to the burden. It just fuels the fire. And makes that a heavier weight on us. And, and here's, here's why we've got to see what Jesus says. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are laby, labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, hey, listen, if you're exhausted, if you're, if you're overwhelmed, if you're bitter, if you're lonely, if you're angry, if you're addicted, if you can't figure it out, if you're unsatisfied with how life is going, Jesus says, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you the peace and the joy that you long for. Do you understand how profound of an invitation that is? Do you understand how radical that is? Because in our culture, in our life, if we've got this burden, we've got this issue, normally what people are going to say is, just go figure it out. You got this problem, just go figure it out. You got relational problems? Here's a book. Use some relational skills. Try and make things better. You got some, some, some worry, some other things going inside of you? Well, will you go figure it out. And figure out how to change. And when you make things better, then you can come back. And then we'll be all good. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus saying, hey, if you're a train wreck, if you are broken, if you are stuck in lust, if you are stuck in anger, if you're stuck in fear, if you're trying to raise kids on your own, If you're grieving over losing a loved one and you can't seem to get over it, if you are burned out from rejection, if your life has not matched up with with God's expectations, his simple word to you today is, come unto me and I will give you rest. 
This word come is, is really a beautiful word. It has a lot of meaning towards it. The word come means to, to leave one thing and advance to another. When Jesus says come unto me, he's saying, here's what I want you. I want you to leave one thing and I want you to, to come to another. I want you to leave your junk. I want you to leave your sin. I want you to leave your bad attitude. I want you to leave your arrogance. I want you to leave your pornography. I want you to leave the unhealthy things that are weighing you down. You ever wonder why we can be so foolish and why we hold on to the things that are literally just destroying us? Have you ever thought about that? How we have these areas of, uh, that we hold on to that are, we struggle with, we hate, we don't like. They don't bring us joy, but we just, we hold on to them, right? Like I remember for me, First grade, first grade, uh, uh, Whitehall Elementary School. Uh, I don't remember if the teacher, maybe the teacher had a baby or something, but we had a new teacher come in, and it was a guy. He was the first male teacher I ever had, and I loved it. And, and I, I was a teacher's pet, I'll admit it. He loved me, I loved him. We had a good relationship, and, and, and he always gave me favors. It was wonderful until that one day. I don't remember what it was. I, I, I probably, I mean, I was a perfect child, so I mean, I could have done anything wrong. But I remember from the front of the classroom, he corrected me in front of everybody. And I remember how angry I got. I'm like, what? I thought, I thought we were friends, bro. Now, this is a first grader, mind you. And I've said, you know what? I'm not talking to him anymore. I'm not talking to him. The next day, he's, he's calling out, roll. John! Georgia, here. Kevin. Kevin, I see you. This went on for a, a day. Carried on to a second day. And the third day, he said, all right, Kevin, you're not talking to me. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to stay in from every recess until you start talking to me. Okay, I spent a whole week without recess. Do you know how miserable that is in the life of a first grader? But you know what's so dumb about this? This was hurting me than it was, more than it was hurting him. Like, I'm the one that was being robbed. I'm the one that's holding on to it. I'm the one that didn't have peace. I'm the one that had all this inner turmoil inside of me. I carried the weight. Why do we hold on to things? Why do we hurt ourselves by trying to hold on to it instead of just, just, just... And we laugh about a little first grader not speaking to his teacher for a week. But how many of us are doing that same thing in our life? You're holding on to something that is just hurting you. That is robbing you of what God has called you to. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, come to me. Take that thing and just leave it behind. Don't hold on to it anymore. Give it away. Give it to me. Let go and free yourself from that burden. Free yourself from that weight. Free yourself from the thing that is, is robbing you of joy. And the second part of that idea is to come. First, you leave something behind. And the second part is you advance to something else. He says, come to me, advance to, to Jesus. Now, in the context that Jesus is writing, uh, the verses right before, Jesus, verses 20 to 24, Jesus rebukes the cities for not believing in him. And in the next chapter, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders for the same thing because they would not believe in him. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's, Jesus is saying, I'm so excited, I can't even speak clear words. Jesus is saying, leave behind your burden. Come to me. Believe in me. Believe in who I claim to be. 
Believe in what I say I've come to do for you. Believe in who I am. Ultimately, you know what the root issue is with our sin? Deep down, it's a belief issue. It's a belief issue. It's a belief that we know better than God does. It's a belief that God, God, you're not good enough to handle what's going on in my life. I can't trust you to to lead this and to guide this and to make this good. It's a a belief that, that, Jesus, I can't live without this. Jesus, if I pursue this, this is going to make my life right. It's a belief issue. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Believe in me. Believe when I say I will make you a new creation. Jesus is saying, believe in that. He's saying, believe that I've come to change you from the inside out. He says, believe in me. Believe that I've come. That, That hole in your heart. The hole deep down inside of you that you keep trying to fill with all this stuff. You try and fill that hole w- with another relationship. And it doesn't fit. And you try and fill the hole with money and acceptance and being good enough. Jesus says, believe in me. I am the one that fills that hole. I am the one that makes all things right. And here's Jesus. Here's what he's saying. Come unto me. Leave behind that burden. Leave behind that junk. Leave behind that thief that is robbing you of what God has called you to. Believe in me because I fix what's gone wrong inside of you. And he says, when you do this, when you come unto me, I will give you rest. I will give you peace. One of the things we talked about last week that I still process through because it just convicts me every time I see it. Psalm chapter 127 says, you know, we have this idea that if we rise up early, we we stay up late because we care about all the cares of the world. We, we, We carry the burdens of everything's going on. We have the anxiety that is there. It's on our back. It's all on us. And it robs us of rest. And here's Jesus saying, come to me. Leave your burden. Give it to me. And believe I'm for you. Believe I'm working things out for your good and my glory. Believe that I am in control. And Psalm 127 verse 2 says, he gives his beloved sleep. What does he give them? Rest. Do you know how freeing it is to take the weight that you carry of how the world revolves around you? And to take that off your shoulder and to give it to God. That is where rest is found. And it is so important that we dial in on this idea and understand. Because when it comes to our sin, when it comes to our loneliness, when it comes to our despair, when it comes to our frustration. Listen, the way to get out from that isn't to try harder. It's not to try harder so we don't struggle with those things anymore, which is what so many of us try and do. The way we get out from under those things is to use our energy and our vitality to chase after Jesus, to know Jesus, to come to him, and to view him as more lovely than all these other things. View him as the solution to the deep desires of our heart, the one who fills that hole deep down. And when we do that, when we come to Jesus and see him like that, you know what happens? All those other things, they begin to lose power over us. That sin begins to lose power 
over us. That desire to control lose power over us. The weights that we carry no longer become an allure for us because now we can keep our eyes on Jesus because we know he offers something better. He offers rest. Simply, come to me and I will give you rest. But there's a second part to this uh, text. Verse 29, it's equally important. Verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This idea of a yoke, well, I've got a picture of a yoke up here. It's a wood beam that, that's put on the shoulder of two animals. In essence, to share the weight, to share the load. They work together, they work in tandem. But there's a, 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 there's a leader to that. There's, there's, there's one of them that is, is leading. Now, I know we just read a verse that said, come unto me, leave your junk behind, come to me, and, and I will give you rest. And now you read verse 29, you're like, this doesn't make sense. Jesus just said, come unto me. And now he's saying, take my yoke. Jesus said, hey, leave it behind, give it to me. And now Jesus is saying something, he's saying, take my yoke? Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second, Jesus. Like, which is it? Like, do I carry the weight of the world or do I not? We live in this individualistic society where we have this idea it's all about me, right? Where we like to be the one in charge. We like to be the director of our lives. We like to call the shots. We like to be in the driver's seat. I I dictate where things are going. I am the master of my own life. But when you come to Jesus, you leave your burden, you come to him, and, and he gives you rest. We oftentimes, we're just, great, now I got that, now I'm ready to go on. I'm ready to move on, just like before, I'm still in control. What Jesus would say is that's a false philosophy to live by. Because the, what happens is, is we may come to Jesus and he may take that burden from us, and then we pick it right back up. We get back into the same pattern, the same way of thinking, the same thing. And the burden may be different, but it's still the same idea. It's all about me. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, listen, come and surrender your life to me. Surrender your life to me as Lord. Let me be your leader. Let me be the guide. Let me be the one who calls the shots. Let me be the one who directs your life. Let me be the one that says, I lead and you follow me. Live, my, live life my way. What Jesus is saying is we have to learn to exchange yokes. Where instead of the yoke being on my shoulder and I dictate where I'm going, that I take his yoke and allow him to control, allow him to guide, allow him to direct. And what happens is when we do that, when we take his yoke upon us, he says, you will find rest for your soul. This is an idea of not just a one-moment rest. This is an idea of a continual rest. A rest that isn't here, then gone the next moment. This is a continual rest throughout our our, our week, throughout our day, throughout our month, throughout our life. Now, I know, again, we start talking about Surrendering to Jesus, and that means we kind of have to follow him. That means that we have to look at his word and say, what does this word say? And I have to start doing that? Like, that's hard, Jesus. And I know that when we start thinking about God and living this way, it sounds like, man, he's so restrictive. 
You know, like, like God, he has all those rules we've got to follow. And it sounds so restrictive. You know, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. I mean, we, we understand that. We talked about last week how sometimes we take the Bible and God, we think they're so restrictive. And we, we want to we wanna be like the Beastie Boys. We want to fight for our right to party. But look what Jesus says, verse 30. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, last week we talked about God's law, about his commands, that those are actually guardrails. They're meant to lead us to abundant life. They're meant to lead us to a place where life works best. They're not created to rob us. They're not created to limit us. They're created to to give us full life. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, if you, if you hitch up with me, you take my yoke, you, you live my way, you let me lead. Jesus is saying, I will lead you to the best life that you can experience. I will lead you to the place that you will continually find rest, that you will find peace and joy and satisfaction. Because when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we follow after him, that leads to a, a continued rest for our soul. Not just this one-time experience, but this ongoing thing where we're like, ah, oh, this is wonderful. This is what God intended. Man, I, I find myself, sometimes I, I, I wrestle with this. And I don't know about you. Maybe you do. Where I wrestle with this idea that, I mean, I, I love this church. I love the people here. But I find myself worrying about the church, about people, what's going to happen. I find myself stressed. I find myself with a, with a heavy burden as a pastor of the church. Some of you are saying, oh, that's such a noble thing. You're such a good pastor. But when I think about margin, I think about what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, if you take my yoke upon you, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So when I feel the burden... When I feel the weight and the stress, who's putting that burden on me? Who's putting that weight on me? Is it God? Or perhaps, perhaps I'm feeling that weight and that burden and that stress because I'm putting the stress on myself. Because I'm making it about me and how I do and how I lead and and my abilities. And I'm feeling that stress because it's all about me. Maybe, perhaps, when we feel that weight, when we feel that stress, when we feel that burden, even though it's a good thing, perhaps maybe we're allowing other people to put that burden on us, where we are worried about their opinions, about their expectations. And so that begins to put that weight and that burden back on my shoulder. See, when I read this text, I hear Jesus say, hey, if you take this yoke, if you allow me to lead, if you allow me to be in charge... If I step back and follow him, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. See how that plays out? If it's all about me, I'll tell you, this church is in a world of trouble. It's all about me. We're all going to be Seahawks fans. Sorry, you rest of you other people. But if it's not about me, if really God's in charge, Man, it's a beautiful thing what God's doing here. It's not limited by me. It's not limited by how much weight I can carry. Because God's the one in charge, and he can carry a lot more than I ever could. 
Do you understand that for your own life? That maybe some of the weight you're carrying, maybe some of the burden, the stress, the anxiety, maybe because it's not yours to carry. Maybe because you haven't understood what Jesus is saying when he says, take my yoke upon you. For my burden is easy and my burden is light. Here's, Here's the other great thing I love. Jesus says, when you take my yoke upon you and you learn from me, you will find rest for your souls. And I don't want you to miss out on this. Because when we give God charge over our life, when we say, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to live according to your way, we're going to find that that rest is independent of our circumstances. That rest is independent of our circumstances. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the, the, the pressures and the burdens and the struggles that you carry? And sometimes we have this idea, man, if, if my circumstances would just change, if my circumstances would change, then everything will be better. Then it'll be set, right? Start thinking about, well, you know, my marriage. If, if, if this would just happen, if, 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 if we would make a little bit more money, then all the issues in our marriage would be solved. Well, Jesus is saying, it's not your circumstances that gives you rest. It's the spirit within a person that gives you rest. Rest has little to do with what's happening on the outside. This is why people who seem to have all the greatest circumstances, people who have everything that we would all long for, this is why those people still fail. Those people still struggle. Those people are still burdened and overwhelmed. See, if we can't find rest in poverty, we're never going to find rest in riches. If we can't find rest in persecution, we're never going to find rest when we become honored and appreciated. When we dedicate our life to Jesus, we will find rest for our souls. And this is a deep rest. This is a growing rest. A rest that isn't found in this one-time experience, but uh, this ongoing, deep, abiding rest that continues. Regardless of our circumstances. So things can be good today and rough tomorrow, but I can still find rest because God's carrying the load. What would it be like for you? What would it be like for you if you begin to think about finding rest in your marriage this week? Where if you at yourself, if you could be at rest, how would that change your marriage? If you were at rest, how would it change how you Find yourself at work this week. The type of employee you are, the type of boss you are. If you were at rest, how different would you be? What would it look like in your own life if you found rest in your heart? You found peace and joy and acceptance from God and didn't have to find it from all these other people around you. How much better of a friend would that make you? Think about your teenagers. What would it look like for you if you found rest? How would that change the relationship with your parents? How would that change uh, the craziness at school with your friends? How would that make things different if you could find rest for your soul? See, the rest and the margin that we are, are, are looking for, when we find it, it's found in coming to Jesus. It's found in, in resting in him. It's found in following after him. But we get pretty goofy about that and we kind of forget it. The solution 
is not to change your circumstances. The solution is not to try harder. The solution is to come to Jesus to take his yoke and to follow after him. Got one closing thought before we wrap up. This great invitation that Jesus has given us. He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Uh, Come unto me, exchange your yoke and find rest for me and you'll find this continual rest. Listen, it's not meant to be done in isolation. What God intends is that we come to him in community, that we come together as a people. This is one of the massive reasons why the church exists. Why we come together as a people. That when we, we bear each other's burdens, when we become uh, weary, when we have these burdens, in different ways, and different reasons, when we are weary, you ever notice how easily discouraged we become? And how it's quickly easy for us to be cynical? That me, I'm the eternal optimist. But when I become weary, the world's going to fall apart. You hear that voice inside your head? You know what I'm talking about. You hear it. The world's going to fall apart. Everything's bad. No longer is it everything is awesome. It's everything is terrible. And it's all your fault. And you can't do anything about it. In those moments, perhaps we are not the best preachers to be preaching to ourselves. Perhaps in those moments, it'd be wise for us to seek other people, to speak truth to us to help us believe in Jesus, to believe what he said, to believe in who he is. That's why Hebrews 10 says, do not neglect meeting together, but continue encouraging one another. That's what the body of Christ is. So I'm going to call today, quit something Sunday. I want us to call today, quit something Sunday. And I want us, every one of us in this room to think, man, what is it? What is it that leads to my burden? What is it that leads to my stress? What is it that leads to my anxiety? What is one thing? Maybe it's a simple thing. Biting your fingernails instead of dealing with the problem. What is one thing that you can quit today that will lead to you finding rest? Maybe for you, it's a big thing. Maybe for you, you've got that, that sin that's holding you back, but you can't get a grasp of it on your own. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to just be done with. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to make right. You need to say, hey, I haven't been talking to you for a week, and I need to make this right. I am sorry. What is the one thing you need to quit today? To leave that burden, to leave that worry, to leave whatever it happens to be so it doesn't hold you down anymore. Because you have this invitation today. Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest. That we can walk out today and we can follow him. We can trust him. We can obey him. And we can experience rest, not just this morning. We can experience rest at 6.30 when the game's over tonight. We can experience rest tomorrow when there's tension at work. But we can have rest because of what Jesus has done for us. That this week, when things get awkward with our spouse, that we can find rest. Because it's about Jesus, it's not about me. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. So what's that one thing you need to quit today? What's that one thing you need to just be in the habit of saying, hey, I'm going to set this aside. I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. Because it's robbing me of the joy. It's robbing me of rest. 
Let's pray.